Welcome, everybody, to Table Talk. This is your healthy theological radio addiction. Adam Aline's here with me, Brent Kuhlman, and so is Clint Poppy. Now, gentlemen, you know what's interesting in the history of the church? Tell me, tell me. Well, you know, we've been, we've been rejoicing in holy baptism for a few months. And you just can't help rejoice. You have to keep on rejoicing in this. And so, you know, as I thought about this some more, as, as it's interesting that in the history of the church, especially in the early church, like the first three, four centuries, you had some Christians who said, you know what, there's only one chance of repentance. You know, you can only repent once. And, and connected with that was they would wait to be baptized until they were on their deathbed. And the reason for that was is that, okay, you get baptized and there's only one chance of repentance, you see. Uh, so we're going to make sure that we're baptized towards the ends of our life so that, you know, we don't go to hell. Isn't that interesting how that works? That, that's not what the Bible teaches. Do you realize that? No, it's, it's very sad. It's very sad. But this was very well. popular. And Adam, you know, you're the better um, uh, historian than I am. I, oh, I just fly by the seat of my pants with everything that I do. You know, theology is just kind of like a side thing for me. You know, I, I do other <laughs> things really seriously. But, but uh, wasn't, wasn't the, the Roman emperor Constantine, uh, didn't he wait to be <clears throat> baptized until he was on his deathbed? Yeah, he did, and um, he he was baptized uh, as he shortly is soon going to die, and there's some who say that's because uh, that's when he converted. There's others who say, well, he was inventing the uh, Christian religion. That's the whole Da Vinci Code business, <laughs> and all that is really intellectually dishonest. Um, it is kind of a thing for rulers that they misunderstood baptism, and you can understand the church is new at this point. People are still learning the doctrine as it's being taught, and with Constantine, you have an enormous expansion of the church uh, as it becomes a legal religion and then kind of the de facto uh, default religion of the Roman Empire. Of the deep state. And and so, <laughs> well, I mean, there's problems with that, too, oh, that yeah, come yeah, about. Yeah, right. A lot that's of people yeah. convert that maybe don't actually believe for political purposes. And uh, anyways, back to the, the point. Sorry. Um, with this expansion of Christianity and not clear teachings on uh, all the, the doctrines, there was the idea that baptism forgives your sins, which is true, but that it's like uh, forgiving all the sins that take place before your baptism. And so if you're a ruler, you have this idea that it befits you to wait until you're about to die to be baptized so that you don't have as many sins that come about necessarily from being a ruler. Like... Um, driving an army into a, a territory and killing people and slaughtering them to preserve the state. Uh, if that's on your your docket, on your list of sins, you want to wait until all those things have been accomplished to be baptized. And, of course, behind this is a misunderstanding of baptism. And it continued throughout a lot of the Middle Ages. Even uh, right now I'm listening to a podcast about the history of England and some of the early um, Anglo-Saxon English kings themselves waited until almost death to be baptized because of that same misunderstanding of what, uh, um, what Scripture teaches. And so the Scriptures, uh, like, for example, Romans 6, teaches that to live in and from your baptism is to repent and to believe. Not, not to just have one-time repentance in your life, but the baptismal life is about the daily death of the old Adam, our old sinful nature, and the daily resurrection or emergence, if you will, of the new man, spelled F-A-I-T-H, so that you can live before God in righteousness and purity. Yeah, and I think where we struggle, too, to understand this idea is that really confession and absolution, then, is the thing that flows out of baptism and is that baptism, which 
lots of times we talk about it in the past tense. You know, I was baptized in, uh, you know, 1992 or whatever. Uh, we talk about it in the past tense rather than talking about it in the present ongoing sense in that it's still something that's affecting me. And the way that it affects me and, and does those things is as I confess my sins and receive absolution. That's really baptism at work in me uh, day in and day out. So, Yeah, so don't, don't pull a Constantine, <clears throat> folks. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Instead, rejoice in the gift that God has given you in baptism, and then learn from the Bible what it means to live in and from your baptism, which well, I can't help myself to say one more thing about this. I don't know if we'll get to it in another episode or today, but the, 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 the baptism comes to full fruition, and I, I struggle with the right way to say it, so just have mercy on me. But baptism's full fr- fruition, or the, the end-time benefits, of course, will be the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Now, before, the, before that day comes, before Judgment Day comes, we have this life on this earth to live. And so the small catechism asks the question, and it's so important. We hinted at this the last time we talked in, in one of our previous episodes. It's so important because baptism has meaning for your life, all your life, until you're dead and buried, or if Judgment Day comes first. And what is it? it, it, it what does such baptizing with water mean for your daily life? I know many people memorized it. What does it indicate? Well, I like to say it differently. What does such baptizing with water mean for my daily life? And the catechism says, well, it means that the old Adam, that's our sinful nature, in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that the new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. It's death, death to sin, resurrection to new life, faith in Jesus Christ. So every day then, repented and faith is living in and from your baptism. Right. And I think this is, just to uh, bring it into what we actually do in our our church life, this is uh, why it's important for us to think about baptism not as I was baptized a long time ago, but rather I am baptized right now. We even have the hymn that, you know, we teach our kids to sing that teaches that that way of speaking. I am baptized into Christ, God's own child, I gladly say it. Uh, And and that's really a key thing. And a thing for us to understand is each day that promise is true for me. And for you, listeners, you are the child of God because you are baptized right now. Just like um, you might have joined a a club, maybe when you were a kid, your parents signed you up for the uh, Daughters of the American Revolution. And now you are in that club all the days of your life, whether you've asked to be or not. And in that sense, baptism works the same way. You are baptized, and God is giving his gifts to you um, throughout all the days of your life. And that means that you are going to fight against your sin. Did you hear what I just said? Baptism does not give you the free license to sin. That's the abuse of holy baptism. And I know this is the constant objection to the biblical teaching on baptism. Oh, so you, Pastor Coleman, you're saying, so now that I'm baptized, I can do anything I want. Wrong. Living in and from your baptism means that you're going to fight against your evil desires, your old Adamic self. Paul says this in Romans 6. Let me tell you, folks, listen. Paul says, we were therefore buried with him, namely Jesus, through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The new life is the life of saying, I'm going to fight against my old Adam. I'm going, with God's help, the old Adam is going to daily be put to death. 
I'm not going to purposely want to sin. And why am I saying this? This is because this is the issue that Paul had to deal with with the Christians at Rome. They were all like Voltaire, the French philosophe. You remember, folks? These, these early Christians at Rome were like Voltaire. Voltaire said, and I'm paraphrasing Voltaire, he said, you know what? I live in the best of both worlds. I'm a sinner. I love to sin. God loves to forgive sin, so I'm going to keep on sinning. What a great gig. And I'm paraphrasing. And the, the early Christians in Rome said, you know, same thing. And Paul says, no, shall we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? And the answer is, no way. And then he takes them to their baptism where they were buried with Christ into his death and raised with him in the likeness of Christ's resurrection so that they can fight against their sinful nature. And I think, um, and you, you tell me if I'm wrong here, I don't think we have to go back to Voltaire to see that idea <laughs> taking place. I think there's No, some... he's one of my favorite foils, right. though, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we have some church denominations that teach us that now, right? So um, when we're dealing with marriage issues, you know, living together, homosexuality, rather than repenting of that and confessing it as sin, uh, we're taught now to embrace it and let it become our identity, um, because... Christ died for sin, and so why don't you just sin it up and let him uh, do so for you? And uh, that's a real challenge, and it actually is unscriptural. And then, to be fair, all those churches that teach that, of course, don't believe that the whole Bible is actually God's Word at all. Yeah, let's let's push Romans 6 for all that it's worth in the time we have remaining here in this, in this episode. Again, to repeat, the context of Romans 6 is that the Christians in Rome are saying, you know what? Let's keep on sinning so that God can forgive us all the more. And Paul says, no way. He says, by no means. In the Greek, you know, I'll, you correct me if I'm wrong. It's megenita. May it never be, Paul says in the Greek there. Yes, it is that. May it never be. Now, white trash, redneck, Nebraska talk would be vul- a very vulgar way of saying it. And I can't say it on the radio. But nonetheless, may it never be. Now, notice, let's just, let's just skip ahead. Um, look at verse 12 of Romans 6. This is what it means to live in and from your baptism. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Are you understanding what Paul's point is, folks? If you, you who are baptized into Christ Jesus, you are, you are now given to live a new life. And part of this new life as a believer in Jesus Christ is to fight daily against your old Adamic sinful flesh. That it be put to death every day. You see how radical this is? Radical meaning I'm, I'm the, the Latin for radical is radix, which means we get to the root of the issue. The root of the issue of living in and from your baptism is not so that I have permission to sin, I have the freedom to sin. No, that is the abuse of holy baptism. And I, I think the way the catechism says it, that the old Adam may daily drown and die uh, so the new man may rise, I love the way that it puts that because you know, if you picture it actually taking place where you are trying to drown someone in water, you know, I know your your uh, arm's injured right now, Pastor Kuhlman, but if I grabbed you uh, and tried to hold your head underwater, you'd fight and scream and kick and push back, and that's the exact <laughs> same thing. I'd still win, of course, but that's the exact same thing your sinful nature does as it's being drowned in uh, the waters of baptism, and that's why it is that fight that you're talking about. What does it's, such bad, pardon me, Clint, but what does such bad baptizing with water mean for everyday life? Read Romans 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, 
but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. By the way, members, I think it means more than just your hands. I think it means more than just your eyes. I think it means more than your feet. I think Paul is talking about another member of your body. And if you're a man, I'm talking about a member that hangs between your legs. I think he has this in mind as well. And I'm saying this because we, as you indicated earlier, Adam, generally speaking, the Protestant church in America has has said, you can do anything you want with a member that hangs between your legs with anybody you want. It's no big deal. You can sin all you want with it. And Paul is saying, don't let, a mem- don't let that part of your body do reign and lead you into sin. When we use the term church militant, we are almost always referring to the church corporately fighting against false doctrine corporately. Is this another way to look at the church militant, that every member of the church has this daily war, this daily battle, this daily fight against the devil, the world, and our flesh? Yes, and Luther used the term uh, uh, fighting faith. I'm trying to remember the uh, the Latin, pugnati, or pug, I forget the yeah, Latin. Yeah, that would, pugilism yeah, for right, boxing. Yeah, right, right. Uh, And that's the point. I hope this has been helpful for you folks. We'll come back after the break, so hang on tight. 